Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Everybody Relax Podcast, facilitated by your boy, licensed clinical social worker and neighborhood therapist, Trey. I have a special guest on the next series. I guess we could put this kind of, when I bring on uh, different, I don't bring on mental health professionals, but I bring on professionals in a different career space to the More Than My Credentials series because I really uh, am passionate about these topics uh, of these individuals who come on that are separate from mental health professionals and they also still incorporate mental health. So I have my guy, Calvin Royster, on here for Everybody Relax Podcast. What's going on, man? How you feeling? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so we brought in um, somebody that deals with insurance, life insurance, annuities, things like that, all the stuff that we get kind of cringe up about and don't know what we need to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I call this man, Calvin. <laughs> and so Calvin set up my life insurance plan and uh, we're going to just kind of dive deep into that. And then also talk about how that affects us um, when working with our clients in the mental health space and then what that looks like for us and and just, you know, have some fun around that stuff like that. So Calvin, so if they don't know you, uh, Insurance Bay, <laughs> if they don't know you by now, um, if, if, tell the people who you are, what you do and what you're about. Sure, man. So Calvin Royster, a.k.a. Insurance Bay. Appreciate the shout out on that. Uh, but yeah, owner of a new financial full service insurance brokerage. Uh, we're focused on helping the black millennial household navigate through the insurance space. Um, and and that, that's pretty much the mission, man. As far as the passion behind it, my goal is to help. You look at, you know, if you look at the wealth gap and the disparity in where black people as, as uh, ethnic groups stand on that, there's a lot of room for improvement. And of course, there's multiple reasons and factors that go into that. But one of the things that I know can help us improve is proper insurance planning. And so that that's really the passion behind the company. And it's what drives me every day to make sure I get in front of people and help educate. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is this something that you, you saw yourself going into for a good, good amount of time? Or is this something you kind of fell into? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. at all. I mean, insurance isn't uh, one of those things that people think of and, and say, oh, man, that's sexy. I want to do that. You know, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't have that that, that uh, sparkle to it, you know. So um, I kind of fell into it, to be honest with you. And I fell in love once I realized how powerful a tool it was, how powerful of a tool it was. Um, I was like, you know what? I can really see myself doing this. And then when I actually started sitting across from people in the, in the trenches and, and sitting across from families and realized, man, we're missing a lot we met between the education and just taking advantage of opportunities and things like that, missing a lot. And so I was like, man, this, this is, I got to buckle down and, and go out there and help some people. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I fell in love with it, long story short, but uh, I did not see this coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now what did, did you feel like um, the calling to go with like working with African-Americans and, and planning for them? What was that, that defining moment? I know, my, my private practice works with African-American men, you know, and, and that was like, you know, an untapped population. So what was like the defining moment where you said, I, I really want to put this in, in place for African-Americans? So it was, that's a really good question. I, um, so when I first got shocked and started in the life insurance space, it was probably a little over four years ago, maybe about four and a half years ago. And I took an entry-level job at, a, at a, a big Fortune 500 insurance carrier. And they almost exclusively work with the senior population. So I took it just to get my feet wet and learn about the industry and uh, good training and experience. But one of the things that happened was 
when I was in that role, they sent me to uh, DC a lot. And they weren't sending me to Northwest. They were sending me Southeast, mm-hmm. Northeast. So I had a lot of hands-on experience of, of working with us. Pretty much everybody I sat with looked like me. And that's why I started to see how there were other external factors that impacted how we have to go through navigate through insurance. Case in point, out of 10 people I would sit with, because I'd be in DC from sunup to sunset, just working all day. Out of 10 people I'd sit with, probably seven to eight of them already had hypertension uh, or high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. It was the same thing I kept seeing. Yeah. But also, I started, so I started asking, like, why am I keep saying the same thing? It got to a point where I didn't even, I assumed, I just assumed that you had one, you either had diabetes and or blood, high blood pressure. And I started asking myself, why is it that so many of my people that I'm coming across are having the same health challenges? Um, and one of the things I, you know, I realized was I'm in the middle of a food desert. And so it all started coming together because when I wanted to go eat lunch, I was like, I can't eat in Southeast. Ain't, ain't nothing but a McDonald's out here. Mm-hmm. So when I was like, well, Calvin, you just coming into to, to work. These people live here. They may not have, they may have uh, limited access to transportation. They may they might need to get around. And so in that situation, I was like, man, there's things that are bigger than just, I don't, I didn't get a policy. There's other factors that play into how we got to again shop the, the life insurance space. And so I was like, you know what? I, I got to help us get through this. And so I ended up um, taking stepping away from that company because their mold, that didn't fit their mold of clientele. And I was like, well, I need to find a way to where I can serve my people. And so that's how, that was a defining moment for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, you know, I think you bring up a good topic of, of when you start talking about financial literacy and not even financial literacy in itself, understanding how to do finances, but when you're always in a place of lack or survive, survival, like, you know what I'm saying? You operate in a different manner. And so if, if of course, I'm not going to probably eat healthy. If I'm in a food desert, I don't have access to that. And then I'm also struggling to kind of keep my, um, to keep, keep my lights on or to just put food in my, in my, my mouth, you know, because of everything that's going on. And, um, that taps into your mental health in reference to how you see yourself dealing with stress and what that that comes up i'm a firm believer of underthinking that stress within us right it manifests as medical conditions mental health conditions things of that nature and it just kind of blossoms and balloons and so um i'm glad that you saw that that it sought that out and he was like oh snap like there's a correlation between all of that yeah for sure sure. so um so with that being said, though, so when you when you go out and you meet with people to talk about life insurance, what is their perception of this this life insurance concept? Like, I didn't really understand it at first. I first started off with State Farm um, and then I let that lapse. Like, I, I just knew it was something, one of those things that I had to do, but right. didn't have really a good concept of it. How do you go in there and, and explain this thing to, to people? So uh, for me, because I focus on the millennial market, I mean, I, I work with both ends of the spectrum as far as age, but my focus is a millennial. Uh, you know, I position it a little bit differently and, and talk about more so uh, what it can do while we're alive, because I think that's one of the, the biggest things is, you know, our, our mindset is, you know, either we're invincible 
or we're so young, we're going to, you know, we're going to live forever. And so, you know, our perception of it generally is, you know, is from a, a stance of procrastination. You know, I'm putting it off and I, I can do that later. That's yeah. when I get older. I'm still trying to figure out how to adult. You know, this is the kind of thing that, that we say, and that's kind of our perception of it. And, uh, and, and at the surface level, the, the understanding is from an educational standpoint is that we only get it. It only pays us when, when, it, when we die. And so it does so much more than that, though. And that's where I come in and I, and I spend a lot of time educating on, okay, yes, it'll pay, you know, when you pass, which let's say I agree with you, it's all the way down the road. In between here and there, if you have a heart attack, cancer, stroke, you have a critical injury, you can tap into your policy and can help pay for those medical bills. Some of us are walking around with either no health insurance or really high health, uh, health insurance deductibles. Okay, well, your life insurance policy can tap in and help you pay that medical bill. That money comes straight to you. It can help you cover if if you are down bad, right? You have you know a stroke somewhere down the road. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but down the road you have a stroke. You might be out of commission for some time. We're also in a, in a phase where if you look at the economy, there's more and more gig workers and self-employed individuals, people that are in 1099 roles. You don't you may not have those benefits. Your policy can look out for you if you're down with the stroke. It can pay you that money to help you get through with your, your mortgage and keep your lights on your house, in your house so you can, you can pay the rent for you, keep the car note going so you're not worrying about repossession and freaking out. It allows you the opportunity to make sure that you can still, fo- you can focus on recovering in your health and not be worried about the finances so much. That's just one of the things that, uh, you know, I like to bring up when it comes to talking about lack insurance for, for the millennial market. Yeah. And that goes to the difference between whole life and term, correct? So you actually, you can get living benefits on either product. Okay, okay. Could you talk about the difference between the two and like what's the, the pros and cons that come in and mixed up that? Because you hear these terms, you're like, oh, you need whole term, or, you know, whole life, you need term. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, we need both. You're like, like nah, you, let's, let's, let's break it down. I, I, I love the way you broke, broke it down to me in that time when we, you know, you set it up for me, because I, I just, I, I love when anybody breaks stuff down to me, because that's what I love to do anyway. So you right. got to tell me this stuff, you know what I'm saying, so I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know or thinking about it, can you, can you break that down for them? Sure. You know, I always like to preface the conversation with this. It's not either or. A lot of times it's marrying the two of them, because they both have their own strengths and weaknesses. Okay, so um, on, the, on the term side of things, it's good for being getting more bang for your buck as far as coverage goes your dollar goes a lot further here you get a lot more coverage for less money um the trade-off is it does have an end date so when you go let's say you know generally speaking you get a term for you know 10 20 30 years i encourage you to get as long as you can for as much as you can um at the end of that term let's say you get a 30-year term at the end of that 30 years year 31 is going to jump up dramatically on you as far as your price goes. So, and then from there, each year, you're going to get an annual increase. Most people are not going to be able to afford to continue that, especially if you look at, if you're in your mid thirties or your, your early twenties and you're getting this policy, when you think about it, you're going to be in your fifties and sixties when this thing comes up, you're going to be making a, your, your income is going to be more so flatline than going up or it may be decreasing because you're towards the end of your working career. It's not practical to be paying more for insurance then than you are now. So that's where we look at permanent insurance. So 
Permanent insurance is just that, it's permanent. It's set for a period, your, your entire life in its entirety. Uh, but also you get an added benefit of what's called cash value. And this is huge because it allows us to basically uh, pay into our policy as we pay into it. Um, we'll be able to grow this essentially an account that we can then access and leverage for other opportunities. Again, a lot of people I work with, millennials, you know, we're, we're taking all kinds of opportunities on. And, <laughs> and so having a, a fund essentially that allows us to access these op or, or leverage it for opportunities is huge. So you get the cash value or what I like to call uh, an account that you can build equity in uh, on the permanent side. So that's like the high level view of term versus permanent. Term is good for a period of time to get more coverage. Permanent is going to cost a little bit more, um, and, but it's for your entire life and you gain the cash value. Okay. But the so, so even in the term, though, you couldn't get the cash value, cash value even if it expires? Yeah, no cash value on the term side. Okay. Only yeah. on the permanent side. Yeah, only on the permanent side. And so that, that's one of those things. And that's why I like to put them together because with the term, again, you, you have it for that fixed period of time, but we know that it's going to expire, right? So what we want to do is we want to get that permanent policy as well. So when the term expires, we're not tripping off of running around and trying to go and scramble and get life insurance because we already have it on the permanent side. We got that way back when. And because we got it early on, we've now allowed that cash value to grow. And over time, we can take advantage of, of different opportunities um, on the cash value side. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do with it. Um, on a surf, on a very small scale, uh, people can use it in, in, I like to say, you know, uh, become their own bank. You can use it to buy, purchase cars. You can use it for funding college education for your kids. Um, down the road, you can use it for a tax-free retirement. There's a lot of different things you can do with that cash value. So it's important to, 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 to mix it to, especially again, target, target market. If we're looking at budget and things like that, the, the term can make a lot of sense for, um, for, for a lot of people. It's just a matter of figuring out how to, how do we piece it all together? Right. So, so if you don't, and I, I, I probably still, I asked the same question when I first started probably with it. So if, if you don't on the term side, if you don't use that, you can't touch that cash value before it gets up, right? You're going to do that permanent. Right. Yeah. There's no cash value at all on term. It's either use it or lose it, basically. Okay. Yeah. So you got it. So you, you can, but you still get tap into it to use it if that time if, comes up. Yeah. So basically, the only time you can use any money within it, not even within a term policy, the only time a term policy is going to, um, only thing the term policy can do outside of paying when you pass is if it has a living benefits feature on it, and then it'll basically pay out if you have one of those heart attack, cancer, stroke um, type situations come up. Okay, so use it or lose it type stuff. Permanent is the one where you can come pull out cash value, do something with it, things like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And the only reason I ask because as the as a millennial, <laughs> so we like we want to know like, yo, where my money going? Can I touch it? Can I not touch it? Okay, you know, it's just like investment or crypto and anything like that. Like, what's the time period or how much I got to hold this thing? You know what I'm saying and stuff like that. So I wanted to be clear on that. You know, yeah. <laughs> so so it seems as though that the earlier you start this, right? which, you know, I was encouraged myself to start at like 18. Like, it was like, why would I start this at 18? This is nuts, right? But the earlier you start it, more or less, it's going to be cheaper, 
Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then you have a longer period of time to, to pour into it to possibly get a cash value out of it. Now, what changes if you have a medical condition? And then I'm going to go into the mental health side of it. So, like, if you have an ongoing medical condition, what does that look like for folks? So, with insurance in general, and companies are, whatever the product is, they're going to evaluate the risk and assess the risk and then charge you based off of that risk. So for a car, it's based off of your driving record, the type of car, that's how they come with the rate. For life insurance, it's your health, essentially. Your health and your age are the two biggest factors in what you pay for, for life insurance. So when we have these conversations, I like to talk about the medical. I like to get an idea of the medical situation first because that helps me navigate and decide what's the best option for you because I have a whole bunch of different options as a broker. So what the medical comes into play is if you have a medical challenge or two, one, if it may impact whether you get uh, approved or declined for a certain type of coverage. So there may be limitations on what we can get approved for. Um, two, that also may dictate and impact how much we pay for the coverage. And so, you know, not jumping into the mental health part yet, but if you look at everything outside of the mental health piece and just look at physical health and, and ailments there, and what insurance companies use is it's another one of those correlations that in general, and there's some companies are better than others, in general, things like diabetes, things like high blood pressure, things like not having a primary care doctor, things like having a felony, things like having a bankruptcy, things that are not uncommon to our community are things that limits how much coverage we can get, the type of coverage we can get, and, and the affordability of that coverage. Right. And so that's another one of those things where it's like just being cognizant of that as an agent, it was important to me to have options because I knew that if I only had one option, I would be doing a very big disservice because we are so, uh, we're such a unique group in my opinion. Um, and we have very, we have a lot of uh, things that have directly and in, indirectly impacted where we are today. And that also in turn impacts the life insurance in turn impacts the wealth gap. One family on this side might be able to get a million dollar coverage on a problem because they have their PCP. They don't have history of, of being in, in, in rough conditions with, with uh, in a food desert with diabetes, high blood pressure, this, that, and the other. They may have had a good diet. On the other side, we may not be able to, we might be the same age, but we may not be even qualified for the, the million dollar policy because we may not, we have all these other underlying factors that insurance companies don't like but it's prevalent in our community. So what do we do? And then that's kind of where, you know, it's uh, a massaging in, in my mind to, um, to help people get through that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you bring up a, a topic of like, just the difference in, in, in situations as far as what black families have to endure, what white families have to endure, you know what I'm saying? Yes. They're getting these, these super high level insurance policies and putting them on their kids at an early age because of, the access that they've always had from the privilege side versus what we have from the scraps and also being put and you know exposed to these type of living conditions not by our own merit but what we was you know put into and, and, and due to racism and, and white supremacy and stuff like that so it kind of it, it's, it's almost like a setup in a sense because like we can't even we want to close the wealth gap but we can't even qualify because for this insurance policy because of how we was positioned um, in the first place, you know, um, so that's, 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 that's interesting to, um, to think about how it, it's not 
it's real. Everything, everything feeds to one another. All these systems affect yeah. one another. Um, so with that being said, um, as we move into the mental health portion, so we talked about like the conversations around there's just like medical conditions, you have diagnoses, not diagnoses in mental health that if you have, if you have insurance provider that, that you see a therapist or a psychiatrist, things like that, we give you a diagnosis code because that's the only way we can build insurance. Is it now, is it? Correct that we can build on the first first uh, uh, session with a diagnosis code. Understandable, it sucks, right? You know, that's an ongoing side debate. But going into the fact of what we just talked about in reference to the systems that in play that puts us in this position to not even be able to afford uh, life insurance policy at times, or it's, it's super increased because of the things that we uh, systemically have dealt with. There is also the notion of if I go to a therapist or a mental health provider and they give me this diagnosis. Now, that's a whole nother thing that is going to bar me from getting to that. Can you talk about that and what that looks like? Yeah, man. Um, and it's interesting because in between when you uh, we talked about getting on this together and having this interview and now I actually had uh, somebody reach out and ironically, they had they were in this exact situation so they had um committed suicide um of course it failed thankfully um about almost 10 years ago and then they recently because of you know 2020 there's a lot that came with that we had covid and george floyd's murder and so people kind of got to take a look into the black community and, and kind of started listening for, you know for a little bit and um <laughs> But, uh, a little bit. but in that, <laughs> but in that, uh, one of the things I was highlighted was just, I, I felt was, I think we took a harder look at mental health within the black community. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot more people started taking it serious. And so she was one of those people that wanted to, you know, take it more serious. And so she went and sought out, um, the therapist. And so <laughs> she sought out the therapist they took notes of what happened because she disclosed what happened. Now, when she did that and put it on file, now when she went to go in turn get insurance, she got screwed because not, not to, I don't want to say it like that, like it was a therapist's fault. They did their job. But by doing that and putting it on file, the insurance company see that. And, and now it's, you're, she was very limited in what she could get um, for something that happened 10 years ago, right? She's clearly better now. But because of that, that notation and that coding, that, that messed her up with the insurance company. So, I mean, obviously, I was able to put a plan together for her. Or that, that's, I should say that what's one of the things I do is I put a, put a plan together to where we get you what we can now. And then I give you an expectation of in, in eight months, 18 months, 24 months, whatever it is, we can then go get you what you really want. But let's get this now so that's something situated. Um, so that, that's just one of the stories. And so I, I find that. Again, it's all the different correlations between what's going on here and how that translates to insurance. As a community, what I'm, community, what I'm anticipating to continue to see is more cases like that. As we start to take mental health more serious mm -hmm. and we start to realize, man, maybe I do have PTSD. Man, maybe it is bipolar. Like, as we start to really start looking and taking a dive at this and we start to go see therapists and we take it more serious, we're going to have more cases where people are starting to report what's really going on. And that's gonna be another obstacle that we'll have to, to overcome 
as agents and making sure that we're positioned to help our people. Because as our people start to go seek this help, please understand these therapists are going to do their job and put this on there and they're going to give them the, the, the meds that they're going to need and they're going to give them the, the counseling that they need. But this is going to be on file now as well as they didn't have that before. So uh, it's one of those things as, as a broker, I make sure that I, I'm positioned and in tune with because it's not that we can't help these people. You just got to make sure that, you know, I spend a lot of time researching and finding and make, uh, finding out options to make sure that I have to put in front of people when they come and, and that's what's on their plate. Yeah. That's interesting though, because um, a 10 year attempt, a 10 year attempt of, you know, a suicide attempt in 10 years doesn't necessarily negate to a, a mental, let's see how I'm going to word this. <laughs> doesn't necessarily negate to a, a mental health diagnosis. And so, with the, the the increase the influx of new folks coming into therapy or seeking out a mental health professional, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking about something that's related to the pandemic or something that's related to racism, essentially, essentially about being black in America, what I'm looking at is how do we code that? Because realistically, it's, if we're looking at the structural racism piece, there's not a really there's not really a diagnostic code that says what that really is, you know, unless, unless I'm mistaken, I haven't heard about it or seen it. What we typically go with, you know, in cases of stress related stuff, you know, that comes up, most of us therapists will code as adjustment disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Adjustment disorder is kind of a more basic low grade um, diagnosis um, that kind of encompasses what's happening in these moments. But when you start talking about, or let's say in my case, when I was going to, I'm, I'm going, I'm in therapy now. So, and it was using insurance. My, my, my therapist diagnosed me with depressive disorder in OS. Um, none of it specifies, not major depressive disorder. It's not, you know, bipolar, anything like that. It's just, just a, a more generic version of what's happening, right? And so you're going to see these different diagnoses that's going to come up. With the influx of new people coming into therapists, whether it be adjustment disorder, depressive disorder, NOS, generalized anxiety disorder, um, it has an adjustment disorder with depressive symptoms or anxiety, um, anxiety symptoms, you know, you're probably going to see a bunch of them, and then you're going to see the, the, the serious mental illness piece, which is the bipolar, uh, bipolar one and two, major depressive disorder, uh, probably a bunch of the substance use disorders um and then also like you know you got schizophrenia things like that like those are the kind of the big three that are kind of the major major ones and then ptsd of course yeah. so i i just i don't it's it's, it's it's going to be interesting coming these next five years five to ten years of everything post pandemic yeah and how all these systems going to work and so i, I guess what if we would go into like the S the SMI route as far as someone with bipolar who's been diagnosed with bipolar, somebody been diagnosed with major depressive disorder, um, or schizophrenia? Do they have options too? You feel? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, um, I'm positioned to help anybody regardless of the scenario that you're in, um, and I mean any scenario. Um, I will say, of course, depending on the severity of, of what you got going on, we'll 
you know, it'll change dramatically what we're looking at. Um, when it comes to, I'll say this is kind of a blanket for all of them because it'll it really be a case by case because it could be, you know, you may be diagnosed with, you know, a general anxiety disorder is, is pretty normal. So that's not gonna, not gonna knock anybody out. But if you have that coupled with high blood pressure and some maybe some other factors, then that, then that makes it a little more complicated. Um, but if it's just that's what you've got going on, you have, they like to see, this is things that, you know, we kind of look, look out for. Do you have medications? Do you have somebody that you see on a regular basis? Are you on top of it, essentially? Um, the other thing is hospitalizations. So if you've been hospitalized because of one of these things, that, that also makes it a little more complicated. So I don't want to say that to say, you know, just steer your body away. It's just, I always like to put the expectation up front. Hey, I know you want that really big policy. Let's just start with something here because this is what we can realistically get you approved for. And we'll shoot for a time frame of when some of that stuff gets a little bit older and we, can, we don't have to worry about it in the underwriting process. So at the end of the day, there's always an option. It's just a matter of what that option looks like and how much it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Good stuff. That's what I was wondering about and how, you know, how, how deep it can get, especially with the more of the serious mental illnesses that a lot yeah. of people are living with and, and thriving with, yeah. but you know, it's on their record because of the insurance provider or maybe a hospitalization, you know, things like that. And it makes it, um, you know, if you throw an attempt to, you know, end one's life or um, any type of medical conditions on it, then it's just a whole different beast. But again, you know, people, people seek insurance to do the preventative measure. Life insurance policy is preventative measures, right? Yeah. So it's just really upsetting, I feel as though, that the things that we have health insurance-wise that are really preventative, that are allowing us to get access to these services are also one of the things that could potentially hinder us, you know, to get what we need to get, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so realistically with this thing being said though, like, even though if you have a diagnosable condition from a mental health side, it, it, it still can, it can come up in underwriting for getting you established with a policy, but that does not exclude you from getting a policy. There are other factors, just like physical health conditions. If you had, you know, high blood pressure, you know, asthma, reoccurring, things like that. That's yeah. Sort of yeah, basically, and it comes down to who you work with. Obviously, you know, some places, you know, um, and, and I'll just say this because this is sometimes what I'll hear. Uh, sometimes people are like, they, they get, they, people don't like being told no. Um, and it's, I'm an insurance, I get told no all the time. So it's, it, <laughs> but uh, people don't like being told no. And so I find that sometimes people get declined once or twice because, you know, they didn't know what to look for, who to go to and they get discouraged from it. Um, so I would like to encourage that person if they hear this, like there's still a chance for you to get something. You've got to work with the right person. So it, normally you want to look for a, a broker that's going to have multiple companies. I'm not, and I'm trying to say I'll sound as unbiased as possible, but realistically it's going to, sometimes it takes having somebody who's going to have more options because if you're making it all on, on one person with one company, that company most likely, is, a lot of those captive companies that only sell that one product, they're probably not going to get you approved depending on, on the scenario. So it's good to have somebody that will have multiple options because it increases your chances of getting the coverage. They'll probably have an option for you. 
is that something that when they look for a broker that like that's explicitly explained or you just got to have that conversation? You, you got to have the conversation because not all brokers are made equal. I'm, I'm trying to keep a blanket because even, even the woman that I was telling you about before, she came from a broker who couldn't get her covered. Um, oh, they, they just didn't know what they were doing or I, was, I shouldn't say that. They may not have had the right tools to get her covered and they may not have known how to navigate through that. And so that's why, again, I, I pride myself on focusing on us because I'm sensitive and have a heightened awareness of what's going on and I try to stay in tune so that way when we have those issues that are common in our community, it's not something I don't know how to help them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you brought like when you did that IG live about or the post IG about the mental health piece. I was so glad. I was like, yes, because on my side, on um social work Twitter side, like that's an ongoing conversation with us as clinicians and working with our 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 you know, clients about like, you know, self-pay insurance, diagnosing, not diagnosing, you want to get life insurance, it's going to come up because we, we try to do so much education with them, you know, you know, even down to, because some of our clients don't understand the health benefits. So like, yeah. you understand the deductibles or what that looks like. Oh, do you got covered mental health services? Yeah, I do. But all right. In this calendar year, is this amount of money for this? Like we, we do a lot of that on that backside, okay. but We'll take it further because it's like, yo, this could be potential if you're looking to, for a life insurance down the road and stuff like that. So I was like, yes, I was like, man, let me go ahead and just have this conversation <laughs> because we need to chop it up on that. And it's funny because I think when we first met, you reached out to me um, about just kind of connecting. Yeah, it was connecting mental health and life insurance. Yeah, yeah, it was. I remember that's Panera. And I remember because I spilled my coffee on my Kif, my Kif sweatshirt, and I was so tight. <laughs> I was so tight, bro. Um, yeah, I had just cool. got I got the stain out, though. It didn't stain it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't stain it. But I, looking back, I was super stressed anyway. So that, <laughs> it made sense. But, um, but yeah, so I think it has mental health piece been kind of the focal point in you. Also, with your life insurance stuff, because I, I mean, I, I think that's where one of the ways we connected too was just talking about the mental health piece. Was that a big part of it? It's one of those things uh, that kind of came up. It was a reoccurring thing, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, well, let me let me get ready." And it was kind of a thing. It, it happened so much. I was like, "Okay, I'm used to seeing some of the same stuff him come through," and I'm like, "Okay, well, this is where I go for this." And, and so it was kind of one of those things I learned on the fly, but it was very much a pattern that I noticed, and that's. Uh, uh, how that came to be, but yeah. yeah so now it's like okay. Well, now I feel good about pretty much any any challenge that you present um, from from mental health perspective that that will get you some good pretty good options. Yeah, are you seeing the comorbidities between the medical conditions and mental health conditions a lot? Yeah. Yes and no. So I'll say this: the when I'm normally working with a younger. Um, younger individual or even a couple normally don't have too many health challenges we're in front of the diabetes we're in front of the high blood pressure so i don't see it as much working with my target audience um but i do see i do see um general anxiety pretty often um i do see the suicide attempts um more often than i like this you know say that i do um and, and so those are probably some more the the, the top two that i see uh, the the other physical health challenges I normally see on my older folks. So yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember even when we was, you know, talking for mines, and I was like, man, listen, I had high blood pressure. It's, 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 I don't have no medicine right now. <laughs> it's under control. I was like, please, this, because I was concerned about that coming up, and I was concerned about, you know, the, the therapy piece. Yeah. I was like, man, they're going to skyrocket my joint. They get to this point, I ain't gave this boy this. I should have kept this all I had, you know. <laughs> but uh but yeah 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 so um yeah that's one of those things man so listen man if you're listening right now you're a millennial or anybody that you know you, you've been kind of you know weary about life insurance or what if you qualify for you maybe have some mental health uh conditions or challenges in the past it doesn't not mean you can't get this thing you know and so we, we can definitely figure that out and get this thing started for you for sure so let's um before we, we clean up real quick, let's talk some football, man. You a Green Bay Packer fan, right? Absolutely, man. Hey, <sighs> hey, what is this? These three words. I still own four words. I still own you. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that was cold, man. I was like, you can't in the stadium. That was. That was. That was that was and I, I like I like Rogers, man. For him to do that, I was like, that's really Aaron Rodgers esque because he definitely will get into a pattern and start owning folks. Because um, we can't seem to beat him as Dallas. We can't seem to beat him for some reason. So I don't know. Lord knows he. Lord knows he coming to Jerry World and say that I might lose my mind. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But how you how you feeling about the football season thus far, man? I'm feeling. I'm feeling a. Uh... I don't know. I'm kind of even killed, man. I mean, we talked a little bit before, man. I'm kind of you know, limiting the expectations. We've been to the championship the last two years and lost both of them. We should have won it last year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so seeing them go through a championship is like, okay, like it, it's cool. I want to see you get to the Super Bowl, though. So until then, like, I don't, we'll see what happens towards the end. Like, okay, I know we can get the championship. I know we can, I know we're going to do good in the regular season. Can we get to the Super Bowl? So, right. I'm kind of still enjoying it for what it is. Hopefully, you know, Rodgers stick around. Devontae Adams can get resigned, but they got some big contracts coming. So I don't know. Somebody gonna be gone. There's too many yeah. good contracts. Too many coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot Devontae Adams' contract is up too. Do y'all see yourself yeah. keep keeping keeping Rodgers, man? If you want to stay, I mean, I I think that because he's at least playing at this level, he didn't have a lot of drop off from last season. Mm-hmm. I think it would be silly to let him walk. I think it really will be in his court. Will he will he come to terms and, and sign something with them? I just hope that if they do keep him, that he takes a big pay cut because there's a lot of pieces on the defense. This is probably one of the best defenses we've had in a long time. Everybody's hurt right now. But if everybody is healthy, we just one of the best defenses we had. And if we could have that extra money off of his contract to put towards resigning some of these defensive players, yeah, then we'd have more of a complete team. But I have a feeling if he gets he's gonna get a big deal. One of the top contracts that he's earned it, but it's gonna come at a cost. So yeah, we'll see. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that sounds sounds so familiar. Green Bay and Dallas <laughs> has so much history. I don't even. Want yeah, to talk didn't that Dak go through that? The, the the contract with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they ended up paying them though. They ended up paying them though. But it, it's it's you know Jerry doesn't. I, sometimes he. His his madness to how he goes about paying folks is ridiculous, and he only likes to build in the draft at this point. Like he doesn't, we not we not getting no big big name trades. You know, we got if we do, it's gonna be low level. We're not spending a lot of money. 
we're going to build through the draft. That's what he's been doing. I mean, so it, it's coming a little, coming alive right now, as you can see. CD Lamb. And the yeah, other guy. top. And Diggs. And Diggs, yeah, and Diggs. But they was all built through the draft, you know? So it takes some time. You know, I, I I got to I ain't got no expectations day by day, game by game. Y'all talk to me in January, February. We'll see where we at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that's kind of the way to play, man. Yes, it is. What is it? A disappointment is your level of expectation versus the real reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too high expectations. <laughs> yeah, nah, I needed minimum. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> uh, couple more questions, real quick, man. Uh, the fitness journey. I, I seen you've transformed in this fitness journey since last time we, you know, well before that. But you know, just tell me about like what what prompted you to get more go get more into the fitness journey. Man, I just wanted to actually really try, man. I've always wanted to put on on weight, man. I've always been skinny my yeah. entire life. So I'm like, you know what? Let me really give this thing a shot. And you know, I finally made it click. My issue had always been I was a gym rat but I didn't eat right. Mm -hmm. And so once I started eating right and saying, okay, this is how you bowl. And I got the science to it. I started getting results and the rest was history. And I ended up really liking it, you know? And for me, um, I think one of the things that helped me stick with it is it's a form of therapy. Like I really enjoy lifting heavy. And it's one of those things that I can lean on if I'm, you know, if I'm having a moment or if I need to get some, some aggression and testosterone out, I'm gonna go lift heavy. Mm -hmm. um, I end up really enjoying it, so that that's kind of how that came to play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, fitness is uh exercising is definitely um cathartic in the sense of like you know what I'm saying you're able to get those stress stress thing hormones out, stress things coming out like just get those things out because you know you don't have a uh, if you don't have that release on it, it's going to sit, fester, move around, mess yeah, with your mood and stuff like that. So yeah, that's dope. I was like um, when I seen the, the the journey, I was like, oh my wait 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 what happened. Oh. <laughs> What happened? It was so quick. I was like, oh, snap. my man is on it, man. My man is on it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and so lastly, uh, where, where does this insurance bank thing come from? Because that joke, kid, kid, it tickles me every time. I'm like, yo, this too. It was the one that you showed up. You was doing a video. You was coming at somebody. You said, I'm coming to y'all cookout as insurance bank. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, yo, son is wilding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, it, all right. So I, you know, I feel like I do a pretty decent job of, of keeping up a professional image, but I, I really do like having fun, man. And, and I consider myself a funny individual. So yeah. you know, silly at the at, at, at the least. So um, I, it came about really just on accident. So it was one of those things I stumbled into again. Um, it was Valentine's Day, and I was thinking of uh, I was following Prince Donnell on, on Instagram you know who he is and he's really big on doing tiktok and instagram as, as far as social media content and for marketing i said okay well if he can use social media and make taxes fun and sexy i can do that with insurance because people think like taxes and, and insurance that's like the same bucket of boring. yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> so i get it. i'm like well if he can do that i know i can too so valentine's day was coming up and i said i came up with the idea with this like this little short skit I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just go ahead and pretend like I'm asking somebody out or whatever, or it's a Valentine's Day dinner. And I'm gonna call it Insurance Bay. They got Salt Bay. I can be Insurance Bay. Yeah. So that's kind of how it came. And then 
that video went very, I mean, it did numbers and it was, did very well. People were sharing the left and right. I'm like, wow, people actually, I'm actually spread more doing this type of marketing more so than saying, talking about the educational piece. So I'm like, okay, well now, now I know I can blend them together. That's been my strategy. So, um, but on the insurance bay, I enjoy it because it's another outlet for me to where I can let some of that silly side out, but also it expands how much marketing I can do. And, and it takes off the, the limitations of as far as the marketing goes. So yeah, it, it's good for me. Yeah. Because even in the, even in that, I think though, there's still like, you still was funny moments where you still was providing educational tools. In yes. that, you know what I'm saying? So I can see where blending the two, like, oh, somebody like, oh, it's not professional. He's not there. It, you know, it's, it's still something that's more appealing because you, like you said, taxes, insurance are, are scary. You know, I'm already sitting here thinking about my taxes for, for next year because I'm self-employed now. Like, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm going to call EJ and uh, shout out to EJ. He does my financial advising. Um, and he connected me. He also connected me and Calvin on the backside of for insurance. But, yeah, I'm going to call EJ and tell EJ, yeah, man, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, congrats on that step, man, for the yeah. self-employed. Yeah, man, it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it has really tested me as an entrepreneur. Like I was telling somebody, like, you know, entrepreneurship, it uh, it definitely exposes your strengths and weaknesses. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So then as a result, you got to adjust and figure it out, you know, how you're going to you know, meet it. And I, you've been self-employed for how long? Four, over four years. Four years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I know that journey has been ups and downs um, and, and trying to, you know, balance that all out and stuff like that. Um, why well, I didn't realize it was four years. Wow. How you been? How, how's that? How's that been? It's, it's been a journey. I'd say the, like, like you, it's been a journey. Um, the, the toughest part was like the first nine months were brutal, man. They were brutal, but it was because um, I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't know what I didn't know because I never had, I've never been in an insurance program before. I just researched the concept and, and figured out how to get started doing it. But I didn't have a clear defined niche or market. Uh, I didn't have a clear defined message. I didn't, I wasn't clear in my marketing strategy. So I spent too much time trying to figure that stuff out. And I probably should have done that before. There's no hindsight 2020. So there's things I would have done differently, but I spent a lot of time figuring it out the last, the, the first nine months and now it was brutal. Things really started picking up about a year and a half in for me. Um, and so, you know, I'm really big on, on referrals and, and now social media is in the mix as well. But so most like a hundred percent of my business basically comes from referrals and social media now, but it's a, it's a, it was a slow process because you got to build your credibility on social media. You got to build your, your following your presence up on social media referrals. You got to establish trust with people and, and get out and they've got to come in. So it took time to do that. That's why I say it took me about a year and a half to really start getting some traction. Um, but now it, it's, it's a, way more consistent and, and, and been way better for me yeah absolutely well shout out to you for that journey man. that's a whole different beast entrepreneurship boy, i feel like a, a, a i feel like though it the creative side that we we pour into it it enhances because it's on you now if you don't want to go back to nine to five because i know we know we can go back to nine to five like Right. You can get picked up next, like tomorrow or something like that, right? Yeah. But the freedom that comes with, you know, doing it, it's like, all right, well, if we're going to keep this up, then we got to 
make some shake. That's my that's my favorite. <laughs> Gotta make some shake, man. You know. Man, I tell you. So to dive a little deeper in, into the specifics, I um I was in a position to where I, I didn't go full time with it until about maybe two year and a half and like two years, right around the two year mark. I went full time, um, but it wasn't my choice. <laughs> I, you know, I was in a position where um, I was transitioning out of the uh, out of the marriage, and um, there was schedule with son and things like that. And so I basically had to make a choice. I was like, you know, I can go make you know the money between work and here and spend a little time with my son that I, you know, that I'll have, or I can find a way to make this work so I can maximize the time I have with him. And so that's kind of what it came down to. And at first it wasn't easy. Again, it wasn't really by choice because the other part was just trying to find work that would allow the schedule I needed while providing the money that I needed. You know, if you're going to take this time of money, if I'm taking time away from my business to do this for this job, I needed to make a certain amount of money and I only have this amount of time to give you. And it just was, yeah, I couldn't find anything that was going to give me what I needed. And so I'm like, well, the option is now, Calvin, you got to dig in and make this work. And so um, that is, is really where things started accelerating because it was, I didn't necessarily burn a bridge, but I didn't look back. So. Yeah. 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 I think that's the same kind of thought pattern I had in June or May where I was just like, you know, I, I wanted to go full time. I wanted to do it in August, but like my current job was just, you know, it was a, it was, I didn't do no work at that job, of course, but as far as what I've used to been doing, like it compared to what I used to be doing, it wasn't, it was a cakewalk. Right. But I just felt as though I was ready to transition into a full time. I had my part time. I had prior practice part time was doing well. And I was like, you know, let me go ahead and expand it. And, um, and, you know, I got the, the amount of number that I needed to go. And my thought was like, I wanted to be more present with my family. You know, my daughter was starting preschool. You know, I wanted yeah. to be able to take her there at school, pick her up, you know, and just be right near to case she needed something. And yeah. the rest is history. From that point, I'm coming up on um, one year in private practice as of December. Hey. And six, seven months in full time. So, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where you like, how much more time am I going to sacrifice for these people when right. I can do the same thing here and get more time back with my family? So that's it's a no brainer at some point, you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's up, man. Um. So listen, man, we coming to a close real quick. So tell the people where they can find you, uh, what state you're in, how to contact you. This is all you. Go ahead, do your thing. My time is time, huh? Yeah. All right, so you can find me on Facebook, Calvin Royster. You can also look up a new financial. Um, it's pretty easy to find on Google. You can Google me now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <My> i <laughs> But no, uh, underscore Insurance Bay on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, not on Twitter, but yeah. So those are the different ways you can find me. Um, and then number is 571-402-4208. I am in multiple states. So uh, the best way to say it is, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, so uh, Virginia, Maryland, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Illinois, um, soon to be Washington State. I'm coming. Texas, Oklahoma, and uh, if I forget anybody, Michigan. Wow. If you're in any of those states, 
I can help you with life insurance. If you're in Virginia, I can help you with a lot of other types of insurance. Again, I'm a full service broker. Uh, but in Virginia, I can uh, do auto home business and I got to take care of Okay. That's what's up, man. Well, my man, Calvin, I appreciate you. I didn't do my uh, flowers, man. I'm going to have to give you my flowers. I usually get my flowers before we do the, 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 the actual promo, but I appreciate your work in this space and this opportunity of getting us as black black folks life insurance getting us squared away so we can start attaining those um those uh well achieving those wealth gaps and, and cutting them down man and just your actual passion around helping educate provide awareness and, and making sure that we know um what is what's going on in these these policies and what how they can benefit us and our family so i appreciate you brother for doing that appreciate the work that you're doing keep doing amazing work um, with that, and um, I hope that you know everything from your business to your family blossoms as a result of that because you're doing some good work, brother. So I appreciate yeah. that. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's Calvin Royster on Everybody Relax with More to My Credential Series talking about life insurance, man. If y'all got any questions, please hit the man up. He can um, explain and definitely talk to you about that. Get some options for you. He's all these multiple states. I didn't even know that. So I got some homeboys and some folks that are in these states. So if y'all need life insurance in one hop, I got your mans right here. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? So um, until next week, man, we'll take y'all take it easy. We'll see y'all soon.